0: First Coming Attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie or digital media, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll take you behind the scenes, interview celebrities, and review new movies, TV shows, and digital releases. Now, here are your hosts from Kids First Coming Attractions.
1: Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Benjamin Price, and today we'll be talking about... Frozen 2, Tony Morrison, The Pieces I Am, The Gina Davis Forum, Harriet, Ford v. Ferrari, and Last Christmas. First, let's talk with Michelle and Catherine about Frozen 2. So, Michelle, what were your thoughts on this film?
2: So um, I'm not like a huge Frozen fan to begin with, but honestly, I found it to be better than the first because I just feel like the storyline is a lot more intense. It definitely caters to a more mature audience. I feel like the film definitely grew um, with the audience members and offered a little bit more action and suspense. And that really caught my attention.
1: And um, Catherine,
3: what is sort of the overarching plot of the film? so the truth isn't really as it seems it it takes place i think yeah 3 years after the original and so all of the main characters anna elsa kristoff and olaf go on an adventure to an enchanted enchanted forest to find answers about their past and elsa keeps hearing voices and wants to find out what they mean and along the way they encounter the spirits of fire earth water and wind
1: very cool um i feel like anytime you go and see a disney movie or a pixar movie um you can always be certain that there's going to be some pretty stunning animation um so visually what did you think about this film and what impressed you about it michelle
2: um, I thought it was really great. I feel like Disney always knocks it out of the park when it comes to their animation. And in this film, it really shows. I mean, there are some scenes where it was just flowing water and it's super impressive because it looks extremely real. Um, I think like the whole entire play of the four seasons too definitely created a challenge for them, but they did super well and everything just looks like definitely not like a cartoon or animated. It looks like there's a real thing going on on screen and it's really cool to see.
1: Um, so Catherine, what um, what were your like? What did you think about the characters in this film? Because it seems like there's some new ones introduced and some old favorites too.
3: Yeah, I th- I love all of the characters. There are a couple new ones, and I think overall that they are amazing.
1: You said you loved all of the characters, um, and so this might be challenging. But uh, what? Who is your favorite character, and why?
3: Okay. If anything, I'm probably going to have to say Olaf, because he's just hysterical. I mean, who doesn't love Olaf?
1: Okay, fair point. I can agree. Um, Michelle, what did you think about the story, um, themes, stuff like that?
2: So, um, I thought it was really nice. It's it's still definitely, I feel like it's, a, again, a lot more of a mature um, theme that they have going on of you know trying to fix what's been broken or um, trying to fix and make, make things right because they're stuck within their past and trying to see like they're gonna go against their family in order to make things right for everyone. Um, so it's definitely like a, a, like a much more mature topic, but I feel like they did such a great job with it. And again, it's like a lot more fitting for today's audiences and a lot more realistic, I guess, in comparison to the last film, or at least as real as it can get for a Frozen movie.
1: (laughs) I would not have expected uh, Frozen to go um, dark after the first one, but it sounds like that's where it's headed. Um, So, Catherine, what was your favorite scene in this film and why?
3: I feel like my favorite scene was a song. uh, Well, I mean, I have many favorite songs because they're amazing songs. But I think my favorite scene was probably when Kristoff sings Lost in the Woods. It's hilarious. It's like old, like probably 80s, 90s music video style. It's hilarious.
1: That sounds really fun. You are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. Today we're talking about Toni Morrison, The Pieces I Am, The Gina Davis Forum. Harriet, Ford v. Ferrari, and Last Christmas, and right now I'm talking with Michelle and Catherine on Frozen 2, so let's get back to the interview. So, Michelle, speaking of, going off of songs on the last question, um, what did you think about the songs in this film, because, um, I mean, the songs in the first Frozen were pretty uh, pretty popular for a long time, so...
2: Yeah, so um, definitely the first Frozen, I feel like, has better catcher songs. Um, But this one does have a couple songs that you'll catch yourself humming to every now and then. Um, Into the Unknown has been, like, stuck in my head for, like days now after the film and it's kind of driving me crazy but it's a pretty good song um the rest of them honestly I don't even remember that well so I feel like they weren't as memorable as the first um but still pretty great and still gets your feet tapping so I think they did a pretty good job
1: um and do you think like maybe if the first Frozen like hadn't sort of um if those songs hadn't been as strong um would you have liked these more like standing on their own
2: Yeah, I think for sure. Like, if it were the other way around, I'd probably say the same thing. Um, But yeah, since the first film, uh, the first Frozen songs were so popular, I feel like it's just so hard to kind of beat what they've made themselves do already.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, And Catherine, uh, you mentioned Lost in the Woods. Is that your favorite song?
3: (laughs) Uh, it's one of my favorite songs i would say my other favorite song was into the unknown it was anita menzel just has the most beautiful voice
1: yeah she sure does uh, she knows how to deliver a show-stopping um uh, musical performance um so what uh, what is sort of the lesson or lessons of this film uh michelle
2: So what I kind of took away from it is just um, despite what you've grown to believe, it might not be true. And sometimes um, just because something that happened in the past and there's something you can't control doesn't mean that you can't change it and make it right. Um, So I kind of took it as like um, you can you do hold the power to change the world for the better, regardless of what's happened in the past. Um, And I thought that was really nice.
1: Um, can you elaborate down on, on that a little bit and explain why um, it might be an important message for kids?
2: Yeah, um, I think it's really great, especially like growing up, like maybe your family has um, a couple maybe beliefs that maybe you don't believe in. I think it's totally ag- OK to go against that. And um just try to make things right and be a better human just in general and try to make the world a better place, regardless of what's been, what you think has been set in stone or anything that you have been raised, um, the mindset that you have been raised on. So I think it's just really cool for kids to see that it is totally okay. Okay. To, um, to go your own way and to do your own thing and try to make things right on your your own.
1: Cool. Catherine, as someone who's not, Particularly excited to see Frozen Two. Why should I go see this movie?
3: Well, it is definitely if you didn't like the first Frozen movie, it is very. It's different. It's it's as Michelle said. It's more mature, and so I recommend like it's definitely grown as the audience has grown. So I would definitely see it because of that, and it's just stunning animation well going in
1: this interview i was not planning on seeing frozen but i think i might have been convinced to go check it out um what age rating and star rating would you give this film michelle
2: i would say it's perfect for an audience of all ages so for the entire family to enjoy and i rate it 4.5 out of 5 stars
1: and why would you give it that rating
2: Just because I did think that it was better than the original movie, but the songs just, you know, they weren't there for me.
1: (laughs) Okay. Um, Well, thank you both for talking with me about Frozen 2 today. Frozen 2 is out in theaters now. Let's take a break. I'm Benjamin. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. And today's sponsor is Christmas with Molang.
4: consumers for teens by teens and about teens tune into the uncensored and unedited discussions with young adults on express yourself every sunday at 3 p.m pacific time and 6 p.m eastern time on the voice america empowerment channel smart tenacious teen hosts and reporters from around the country speak up and speak out express yourself visit the website for the show to find out more at ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com and check out the show on the voice america empowerment channel every Sunday. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on Instagram. Make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows, live events, and around the network. We want to see what you have to share as well. Check us out on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
0: You are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Melissa Best from Los Angeles, California,
5: and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about Frozen 2 and next we will be talking with Raquel on Toni Morrison the pieces i am welcome to the show raquel hello thank you for having me of course
6: now can you give us a bit of a
5: bit of a brief summary on what this film is
6: um this film basically just follows the life of toni morrison and how she's been inspired by the social political Um, goings on that happened around her during the time that she was writing her literature pieces as well as you know how her literature has influenced the world and um it's a lot of it's a lot about history and you know culture and just a big mashup of you know how we can all be unified
5: interesting now i didn't know who tony morrison was going into this interview. So, do you think you can maybe get a bit of a brief rundown of who she is and what her impact is?
6: Yes, most definitely. So, Toni Morrison is a African American female, and she's written tons of books, and um, now this movie. And she basically um, her literature pieces are controversial, and they speak to um, they speak to the racial, you know, the, the uh, racial inequities that happens that happened back then when she first started writing, as well as how those issues have transformed over the years. And um also and also she's written reflected on how she's seen her own writing affect the world around her. Ooh, I love a good controversy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um well, you
5: know, controversial pieces of work are oftentimes the most interesting. So did you know about Toni Morrison before going into this documentary or had you at least heard the name before?
6: Yes, I've definitely heard the name before. Um, actually, I read one of her books, The Bluest Eye, in in my freshman year of high school. And the book was definitely controversial. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. It spoke <laughs> on um, the image the image of beauty and how that affects young black girls and you know jealousy based on it talked about colorism and you know um uh, sexual assault several a lot of different controversial topics that not a lot of people are you know are comfortable to write about but she wrote about it and and in a very seamless way you know she used a lot of rhetorical devices a lot of literary devices that made it okay to (laughs) to read in the classroom I was kind of shook at first because I was like why are we reading this book in class (laughs) but you know the book was very subtle yet controversial you know it's definitely for older and mature audiences but um, I'm glad I did read it freshman year I was so happy but yeah so that's how I got introduced to Toni Morrison (laughs) You did you like the book? Yes, I loved it so much. Um, It was yeah, it's my still my favorite book now. Oh wow! Yeah, uh huh. I felt like the book um, is. I was very nervous going into high school year, so reading that book um, just you know set me in the mood for this is you know I have to be mature now. This is what I'm going to be reading now. These are the. Literary texts that are going to change the world and have changed the world So it made me very happy to get a taste of Tony, Tony Morrison, you know, my first year of high school
4: <laughs>
6: I see You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions
5: Today we are talking about Frozen 2, Tony Morrison, The Pieces I Am uh, Gina Davis Forum, Be- Harriet and F- Ford vs. Ferrari and Last Christmas And right now we're talking with Raquel on Tony Morrison, The Pieces I Am and you know that that's uh, your description of her book was pretty interesting because I definitely feel that I, I can definitely respect someone who's not afraid to deal with more controversial topics, which is probably why she's she seems to have become a very popular and influential uh, writer. So, um, what exactly? How how does this documentary go into sort of her life, and how is this film? What I mean to say is how is this film as a documentary? Like, how is it in terms of presentation?
6: Um, The presentation of the film was very unique. I feel like a lot of documentaries about um, certain people, specific historical figures, they forget to pay homage to who the documentary is about. But, like, the first few seconds is her, you know, talking about her very first childhood lesson and um, she goes into how she um, how she first reacted to racial controversies, and um, it was very exciting to watch. Um, I felt like I learned a lot about herself as well as history, and even about myself and about my cultural background, so I love this documentary very much.
5: <laughs> oh wow, that's really nice to hear. I've never really been much of a documentary person, because I never really found them interesting, but it's good to hear that You know, there's a documentary out there that really cares about the person it's covering because that's something that I feel a lot of documentaries kind of forget. Now you mentioned that, yeah. (laughs) Now you mentioned that this film, well, this documentary. You mentioned that this documentary really taught you a lot about Toni Morrison. Can you tell us a little bit about like what you learned and some interesting facts?
6: Um, some interesting facts. Um, that. Um, I learned that that she had first started writing, based off of, um, you know, based off of the racial controversies that she had first seen growing up in her own hometown. Um, I learned that she had starting started um, writing her liter- literature pieces very um, very early. Um, maybe I think it was around my age. I believe I'm sixteen, so. Yeah, it was cool to read about that and how somebody so um, life-changing and somebody so um, influential could be my age and, you know, started her whole career based off of things that she had just noticed around her neighborhood.
5: Well, speaking as someone who is also a writer, I do definitely feel like most uh, writers sort of get that those ideas from you know their real world and their real experiences, because that's definitely how I work with my stories. So I could definitely see where she's coming from with that. Um, now, when I was researching Tony Morrison, I found um I found out that she was a very political person, and she wasn't exactly shy on her opinions on politics and race relationships. So would you say that this documentary really goes uh, into detail on that side of
6: her? and what she had to say um yes I do believe that they do um shed light on her political side however I feel like they had to kind of water it down for you know just to please the public I feel like you can catch more of a um raw side to her political views in her books of course but in the documentary it just relates a lot back to history and I feel like You know, and of course, she is inspired by, you know, racial controversies that happened back then and back in history. But, you know, just to grab from her experiences while grabbing from history would have made the film more pay more homage to how political she was. But the film was still great overall. (laughs) And for the final question, what would you say in terms of star rating and age rating? Um, I would give this film 5 out of 5 stars, and I recommend it for ages 15 to 18, but as well as adults.
5: Amazing. Uh, thank you for talking to me. <laughs> thank you for having me again. Let's take a break. I'm Callista Best from Los Angeles, California, and you are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Christmas with Molong.
4: Live up to your fullest potential. This
0: is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Consumers,
4: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
0: You are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up.
1: Hey, welcome back. I'm Benjamin Price, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about Frozen 2, Toni Morrison, The Pieces I Am. And after this segment, we'll be talking about 4 Ferrari and Last Christmas. But right now, we'll be talking about the Gina Davis Forum status of equity and inclusion in children's television which is an event that uh, kids for film critic Callista went to um, so Callista can you explain sort of what this event was
5: Of course so basically this was a panel um, hosted by Gina Davis and the Gina Davis Institute uh, and it was it featured a bunch of other women in the industry and it basically was talking about, the state of um, diversity and representation of minorities in children's media and children's television. And it was basically just um, a conversation on, um, you know, where we are at, uh, right now and, like, how we can improve and, yeah, stuff like that.
1: Um, who were some of the people she talked to and, like, what were their backgrounds? Where did they come from?
5: Um, well, some of the people at the panel – Uh, there was Stacey Kim, who is the vice president, uh, at Warner Brothers Animation. There's Anna Wegner, who's the showrunner of Mission Unstoppable. Um, most of these names I can't pronounce, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Um, there's Nicole Haggard, who, uh, was, who's a professor of film and media at Mount St. Mary's University. Nicole Dubuck, uh, executive producer of The Rocketeer, um, Oh God, I do not know how to pronounce these names. I have this—I sh- have the like sheet with their names on it, uh, on my phone. Sor Soraya Giacardi, uh, uh, who's who is a researcher for the Gina Davis Institute. And Gina Heitkamp, who's the creator of Middle School Moguls. So those were the people who were like at the panel and were like talking and stuff. And yeah. they didn't. They didn't really go much into depth about, like, themselves, although there were a few instances where they did talk about their experiences working on their specific shows and, like, what they have coming up.
1: That sounds like a lot of interesting people at one event. Um, so did you enjoy it? Was it was it cool? Was it interesting?
5: Oh, it was definitely interesting. I've mentioned this before several times in uh, certain reviews and in certain podcast episodes, but I very much care about representation and diversity in not just children's media, but media in general. So this is something that I'm like, oh yeah, this is totally something I'm in my element with. And it was interesting hearing their statistics because like, um, for example, they gave off a bunch of like data on the amount of uh, characters in certain minorities in children's media. And while uh, female lead characters have like sort of reached like equal amounts to lead male characters, there's still a long ways to go in terms of major characters who are people of color, major characters who are LGBT major characters who are disabled. And that doesn't even count for side characters, secondary characters, and even background characters, which is pretty interesting to me.
1: Yeah, you and know, I do not uh, children's television is not the first thing I think of when it comes to representation and entertainment. So yeah, it sounds oh, yeah. interesting.
5: There, children's entertainment has actually been getting very like, Full of representation and because I'm someone who cares a lot about animation and animation tends to be very um, Tends to be very popular in terms of children's media There's actually quite a few shows with some really good representation. Um, there's She and the princess of power, which ironically Gina Davis is actually a voice actress on um She has um, several characters who are LGBT uh, two of them being gay dads. There's The Dragon Prince, which recently um, had another season. There's Steven Universe, Gravity Falls. There's a bunch of shows that have a lot of really good representation. Uh,
1: I think Dragon Prince and She-Ra are both on Netflix, correct? Yeah, they're both Netflix originals. Huh, all right. Well, that's there's another conversation about children's entertainment. Um, um, but what, so what is the most what is the main thing you'll take away from your experience at this event
5: um definitely sort of the importance of you know fighting for representation because as a writer i oftentimes write down that this character is gay this character is african-american this character is autistic which is a very common thing with me so there's the importance of actually like making going in knowing that you want this character to be a certain minority and fighting for that minority, and also the importance of representation behind the scenes, as in, uh, you know, representation in, a, as in a diversity of directors, writers, animators, as I mentioned, animation. Um, just make sure that there. it is important to have the actual characters be diverse, but also
1: behind the scenes as well. Well, um, thank you very much for talking about this event. Of course. Um, You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. Today we're talking about, we've been talking about Frozen, Tony Morrison, The Pieces I Am. We just finished talking about the Gina Davis Forum. After this segment, we'll be talking about Ford before our last Christmas. And right now, we are going to switch gears to talk with Raquel about Harriet. So let's get into it. So Raquel, um, what were your overall thoughts on this film?
6: I felt like the film did exactly what it needed to do. Um, it was historically accurate. It was action-packed. It was full of love and hate and jealousy and um, violence and just everything. It was a bunch of movies in one, and I loved it.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that. There's a lot going on in this movie. Um, and def- uh, and definitely historically accurate, too. Um,
6: so what is sort of the story of this film about? Um, this film is about um Harriet Tubman and her and her expeditions on the Underground Railroad and her freeing slaves and um how she became a spy for the Soviet army and her love life and um her rescuing her family. It was yeah, it's it's about Harriet Tubman. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a lot,
1: um I mean I thought I knew this person, but there's a lot that um I didn't know uh, going into this movie, and a lot I learned, and I feel yeah. it works really well in that respect. Um, so uh, Cynthia Rivo plays Harriet Tubman. I thought she did a really good
6: job. Um, what did you think about her performance in this film? um her performance was very believable I almost forgot it was a performance um until they showed the picture of Harriet Tubman afterwards I was like oh yeah that is who what she looks like but <laughs> yeah she was very believable she was very in tune with the emotions and you know I felt like she did what she needed to do as well
1: yeah um and there's a. Um- you got Leslie Odom Jr, Janelle Monáe, a lot of other people in this film. So what did you think about sort of the supporting performance in this in this film besides the main character?
6: Um, I felt like the supporting roles, such as like um, the plantation owners and, you know, everybody else that helped and um, didn't help Harriet along the way. um, I felt like they knew their importance of their role as well, despite the fact that they weren't the main character. And it really tied the film together. Well,
1: yeah. And you talked a little bit about like, uh, I believe you said action packed. Yes. Um, Can you
6: elaborate that on, on, on that a little bit? Um, so there was one scene where, um, Harriet had just ran away and she was caught in the, in the middle of a bridge between her, between two, um, groups of plantation owners. And her only option was to jump over the bridge into the water that the you know, the white water that was rushing down downhill pretty fast. And she jumped in and that whole scene was crazy. Um. Even the scenes leading up to that, her running away, her going to her family, saying goodbye, you know, it was just very suspenseful.
1: Yeah, I thought I was in um, that scene and some of the scenes where she's helping the slaves escape, I thought were like really intense. You don't expect them to be that effective in yeah. sort of a historical biopic type thing. And what, should, what is
6: sort of the lesson of this film and why do you think people should go see it? Um, I feel like the lesson is to be true to yourself and um, people should definitely watch it so that they get a sense, mm, yeah, a true sense of what it was, what it was like for African-Americans back then and um, to get perspective. Okay. Very cool.
1: Um, And what star and age rating would you give this film?
6: Um, I give this film five out of five stars and I recommend it for ages 15 to 18 as well as adults. All right. Well,
1: um, thank you very much for talking with me today. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Let's take a break. I'm Benjamin Price, and you're listening to Kit's First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Christmas with Molang.
0: Build a better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change.
4: Succeed. at voiceamerica.com voice america is where you are and where you want to be join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available don't forget to view all our live events including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events build your better business achieve that goal make good on that resolution The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed.
0: You are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh. Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Felicia Best from
5: Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about Frozen Two, Tony Morrison, The Pieces I Am, the Gina Davis Forum, Harriet, and next we will be talking with Benjamin about Ford V. Ferrari. Welcome to the show, Benjamin. Thank you for having me. So can you give us a bit uh brief rundown on the plot of this film?
1: Sure. So uh, Ferrari dominates so 24 Hours of Le Mans, which is a 24-hour race in France. Um, Ferrari dominated it throughout the 1960s, and um, Ford had been just had reached this slump in sales ever since um, Henry Ford, I believe the second, took over, and then uh, one of his associates, Eli Croca, um, comes in and pitches that they should try to get on across the finish line at Le Mans and um, he goes to Carol Shelby and his racing pal uh, Ken Miles and they work together to um, build a race car interesting so this film is a biopic right I mean it's historical but it really only covers two to three years well it still technically counts as a
5: biopic since it's not really a documentary sure so, how was this film as a biopic? What I mean is that, like, because I've never really been much of a biopic person, but I want to know, like, how is this film in terms of like the way it tells this this story?
1: Yeah, our rules. Uh, this movie's great. <laughs> it's a lot of information at once, and it it's just. Boom, boom, boom! It's it's so well paced. Uh, just scene from scene to scene. It knows when to stop and emphasize character and emotion, and when to hightail it to the next racing set piece. And let me tell you, these racing set pieces—I I mean, I'm thinking about Gravity and Dunkirk, considering the most visceral movies um, I've seen in a long time. But this blows them out of the water. I mean, these racing sequences are amazing. It's a shame this movie is already out of IMAX cuz I feel like that's the best way to see this movie. Um just sound design and mixing in this arch it's spectacular.
5: Hmm, interesting. You mentioned the racing segments. So, do you think you can get get a little bit more into detail about that? Um how do these work also in terms of like narrative structure since I'm assuming these races are important to the story?
1: Um sure. Um it's not it's I mean there's not really I'd say there's about maybe good. There's a good hour of this movie that is racing and it's two and a half hours long. So it's a pretty key part of the movie, Um, but it does a good job of showing the race from all sides. So you'll like you get Ken Miles perspective and then you'll get Carol Shelby out in the sidelines and then you'll see Henry Ford II watching from above. Like it does a good job of capturing all these different viewpoints um, and really getting you invested in what's going on on screen.
4: Hmm.
5: That's interesting. So, more about this film in terms of, like, just, um, in terms of filmmaking, how were the characters in this film, although I hesitate to call them characters since they're real people? (laughs)
1: Um, yeah, I enjoyed the characters for the most part, even though they are real people, so they can't really change who they were. Um, I did think that the portrayal of Henry Ford II was a little, I'm not sure I was a fan. Like. There's a. They kind of make him a little too goofy. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not someone who's a major fan of Henry Ford II or anything. I just felt like it felt kind of out of place. Um, yeah, I get what you mean. Uh, I really like the friendship between Shelby and Miles is really the heart of the film, um, and it just sort of comes out of nowhere in like the last few scenes, um, where they've been just sort of drawing you into this duo the whole time and then they hit you with that emotional gut punch. Um, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Fortress Ferrari, go in, go in with some tissues, man. It, it got me a little bit, I'll be honest. Oh, wow. Would you say it's uh, emotional for people even if they're not
5: really, like, invested in the history of these cars?
1: Um, totally, and I think that's part of why the film works. It takes this thing that isn't, doesn't appeal to everybody, um, it, like, I don't think everybody's guaranteed who's going to go see this movie will be super into Formula One. And it sort of gets you to see why it's important and why it means so much to so many. And it's an ultimate underdog story. I mean, how can you not get invested in um, the Ford company and root for them? So.
5: And in ter- what would you say for this film in terms of age rating and star rating?
1: Um, I'm going to give it, I'd say... 11 to 18 for some language and i'm gonna give it five out of five stars i think this is a wonderful movie and i cannot recommend it enough i see you're listening to
5: kids first coming attractions today we are talking about frozen 2 tony morrison gina davis forum harriet ford v ferrari and right now i'm talking with benjamin about last christmas so, Benjamin, can you give me a little bit of a rundown on the plot?
1: Sure. So, last Christmas, um, it follows a woman who is, uh, drunk, um, and no. her life is sort of not... She's trying to put her life back together, but the only thing holding herself back is herself. Um, and then she meets this man named Tom, who's just kind of mysteriously pops up now and then, and then disappears, um... And they fall in love, of course, but it's also about her sort of her the wrongs she's made in her life and uh, moving past um, hardship and tragedy. I see. So this is a Christmas film, if the title didn't
5: obviously give it away. Uh, <laughs> uh, so unfortunately, as much as I hate to say it, I feel like Christmas films have become a little bit saturated. You could thank a specific TV channel for that. I'm not naming any names, but <laughs> my, parents, my parents know who I'm talking about. Um, but I, fe- but yeah, I feel like the Christmas film genre. Z- I don't know if you would say it's a genre or subgenre. There's enough of them in- now.
1: I think you could well, almost call it a genre. You know what? You're
5: exactly right. It's gotten that bad. Well, bad depending on who you ask. But since this sort of style of movie has become so like such a common thing and become so like worn out how would you say this film works as a christmas film like in terms of other really popular christmas films um
1: there are certain films that just sort of use christmas as a background like oh you'll uh, you'll watch it at the holidays which feels like kind of a gimmick uh, like shazam for instance just randomly takes place at christmas um and this is a film more dedicated. I you were say home- more dedicated to the christmas gonna- spirit but um and there's all but it still kind of feels like a gimmick they're just they hammer it into you like this movie is about christmas we are going to play the last christmas song (laughs) at least five times um so uh i thought you were going to use home alone as as an example of a film that uses
5: christmas as a backdrop yeah Uh, well that was the first film that came to my mind yeah Yeah, I I see what you mean, though, because I definitely feel like there are some films that don't really have anything to do with Christmas, but, like, if they were taking place at a certain time, and like, not much would change. Are you—would you say this is one of those films where not much would really change?
1: Um, no, because there is some stuff. I mean, it's it's just—it's so—in terms of production design, like, there's (laughs) just— so much Christmas decoration and stuff. And it's kind of nice. You know, it's sweet in a way. And I feel like that kind of goes hand in hand with the holiday. Hmm. So I see. So, so how are the
5: characters in this film?
1: Um, I thought that, um, the main character was a little cliche. I feel like we've seen this character many times in many different sort of rom-com films It's like the um, sort of wayward uh, main character looking for some kind of purpose who finds it in their romance with someone else. Which I guess is, yeah.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: I'm going to be
5: honest, I do not really like romance films. So, yeah, I I can understand your struggle. What would you say in terms of this
1: film's star rating and age rating? Um, I'm going to give this film an age rating of... 12 to 18 there are some sexual references and language um i'm gonna give it three out of five i do there's a twist that kind of it's cool because i you could see it coming kind of a mile away but i still thought the way it was uh, tied into the film i really liked and there are two great lead performances from amelia clark and um henry golding and yeah and it's just a very fun little movie I think it will be on Hallmark in a couple of years. And if you see it on there, I <laughs> recommend hey, go go watch it. All right. Well, thank you for talking to me. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Of course. Thanks so much for joining
5: us. You've been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To watch our latest reviews of the latest films, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps. And to learn how you can join our Kids First Film Critics team, go to www.kidsfirst.org. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel and look for our reviews on Press for Kids, KidsWorld.com, and Kidsville News. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media for Voice America and iHeartRadio. Today's show is sponsored by Christmas with Molong. I'm Calissa Best from Los Angeles, California. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Bye-bye!